Lord, everybody. This is Pastor Fields here. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Another opportunity for us to come together into God's Word. want to give you time to come on into the house of God as we join together virtually for another Bible study. And um, this will be part two of a five-part series entitled, What's Going On in the Kingdom of God? Um, and we'll be dipping into the parables uh, in order to dig out some nuggets. And I want to give some of uh, the saints uh, to come in as we join together for Bible study. I honor the Lord and I uh, honor uh, my wife, Lady Fields. Um, and we thank God for uh, the saints here in the nation's capital at GRTDC and in the Bronx. You can't just say Bronx, you have to say the Bronx. New York Refuge Temple Annex. I have the honor of pastoring both churches. It is my joy um, to be able to minister and to lead and to be a part of these two ministries. All right, let's go into prayer. I see some more of uh, the saints coming in. <clears throat> Father, we love you tonight and we're so grateful for this another opportunity to come together and to go into your word, your rich word, your powerful word, your healing word. Bless everyone, oh God, that connects with this Bible study tonight. <clears throat> Lead us and guide us, we pray. Touch every heart and mind. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I see some more coming in on tonight. This is Christmas week. Yes, this is Christmas week. And, uh, uh, today is the 23rd, and on Friday will be Christmas Day. And we know Jesus is the reason for the season. Uh, and some saints might be slow connecting on tonight. Some... Uh, well, you know, we're not out shopping like we would normally because of this pandemic. Uh, so I pray that uh, wherever the saints are, that they are safe uh, and more uh, will join us on tonight. Part two tonight of a five-part series, <clears throat> excuse me, entitled What's Going On in the Kingdom of God? Uh, and we'll be dealing with the parables. Uh, and of course... We're remembering that this is an important question to ask, uh, and the answer can only come to those who have an ear. Uh, and we told you last week uh, that when the Bible tells us, he that has an ear, let him hear, uh, the Lord is telling you to pay attention. Uh, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church concerning its condition. And, and uh, several times the Lord Jesus would speak to the Pharisees and Sadducees and those who were following him. Uh, and he would open up uh, the sermon or the teachings by saying, the kingdom of God is like, uh, and he would let them know uh, in his own way. And of course, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, but he's letting them know what the church is like. What is the condition? What is your spiritual condition? 
Um, so here we are studying the parables in order to discover not only uh, the principles of the kingdom, not only the principles, two things parables do. It enlightens the principles and it reveals condition. Principles, <coughs> excuse me, and condition. So uh, you'll discover that there's great value in studying the parables. Uh, they would illustrate some of our Lord's most important teachings and they also demand a response. After you hear, after you hear, after you've paid attention, you are expected to make a decision. Yeah, uh, a response, it's crucial. Don't just hear the word and not make necessary changes. Uh, and just like the Lord meant for those who had an ear to hear then in the Bible days, he expects the same today. When you hear the word, don't just hear it, but do something. Um, so we want to understand how the parables um, function, the function of the parable. We understand that, I should say, because it's, it's to help me understand the principles of the kingdom and also reveals the condition of the church. Um, so let's get into the word of God. Now, last week we talked about the farmer, um, the seed and the soil, right? Jesus just called it the parable of the sower or the lesson of, of the sower. Uh, and we broke it up in three parts so we could better understand that the farmer represented Jesus, the seed represented his holy word, and the soil represented our hearts. Tonight, we're going to be in the gospel according to St. Matthew and this particular parable. And we told you last week we're going to choose five. There are many, uh, but we're going to choose five. Um, and the amount of parables in the Bible uh, is debatable um, because some say there's only 100. Some say there's about 250 um, but there are a little over 30 parables that Jesus spoke out of his own mouth. Uh, and, and most are quite brief. They're short stories, but they have a powerful message. And tonight we're talking about the wheat and the tares. The wheat and the tares. Our anchor scripture, uh, Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. And then, of course... The interpretation is given to us of this parable in verses 36 through 43. Let's, let's read. I want to give you time to find that in your Bible, Matthew chapter 13. And I'm going to read verses 24 through 30. And then I'm going to go down to uh, verse 36 <clears throat> through 43. And those verses, 36 through 43, will give us the interpretation of the parable. Here we are, Matthew 13 and 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. <clears throat> Excuse me. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up, brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, 
Didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? Why are there weeds in the field? My Lord, that'll preach. Weeds in the field. <laughs> he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? Do you want us to go and pull up the weeds? But he said, No, nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, hmm. and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now here's the interpretation. I'm going to go down to verse 36 and read through verse 43. <clears throat> then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us. Lord, please tell us the parable of the tares of the field. What, what did you mean when you taught that lesson? He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. That's Jesus. So the sower in this lesson is Jesus. The field, he says in verse 38, is the world. So the sower is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the field is the world. The good seed, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, the saved folk, those who are holding on to their salvation. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy have sowed them. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. So uh, he's telling them the sower is Jesus, the field is the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, the good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the bad seed or the tares are the children of the wicked. So uh, Jesus has planted seed. And while men slept, the enemy came in because he, he said an enemy hath done this. And now there is wheat and tares growing together. The enemy that sowed them, the person that sowed the bad seed is the devil. It says it in verse 39. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest... The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. So he's letting them know at the end of this world, uh, the wheat and the tares are going to be separated. Yeah. And the Son of Man, verse 41, shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out, of his kingdom, all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. So I'm going to come into my house. I'm going to separate the wheat from the tares. My angels are going to separate. And listen, verse 32, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. The weeds, the tares, will be cast into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. If you have ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus is speaking. My Lord, the multitude uh, has gathered before him and Jesus is speaking. 
parable of the wheat and the tares, and I've read the scripture to you, uh, and he is exposing the work. Uh, he is exposing the work uh, of the mystery of sin, the work of the mystery of sin that's working in the kingdom, in the church. You mean to tell me you have people getting saved and delivered? And while people are getting saved and delivered, the enemy is also planting his seed. Hmm. He's talking about the work of the mystery of sin against the church. Listen to me. And the extent of, to which the evil one is allowed to go in his opposition to it. So while all this good word is being preached, the enemy is also doing whatever he can do to destroy, to dismantle, and to separate or to divide. So this, this parable is, reveals a slightly different aspect of the same truth that was taught in the parable that we talked about last week, in the parable of the sower. Uh, in this parable tonight, the wheat and the tares, uh, it illustrates or it reveals a mixed character, a mixed character in the church. Hmm. But you have some who are living holy and you have others who are determined not to live holy. It's a mixed character, a mixed character in the church. It culminates in the ultimate separation. And listen to the term I'm using. You have... <clears throat> You have religious hobbyists in the church. It's a fancy way of saying that people have used the church or using the church as a hobby. It's their hobby. They have no inclination. They have no desire. They have no intention on living for God or following the truth. As a matter of fact, some of these folks will come up with their own gospel, their own teachings, their own concepts, and they won't leave. They have been planted there to attempt to dismantle, to confuse, to baffle, to pull away. Uh, separation, though, will ultimately come between the real saints and those who have been planted by the enemy to create havoc. Oh, upon this rock I built my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Thank you, Lord. That just came into my spirit. But in the process of time, as we're making our way to the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we need to be aware that the enemy has been busy planting his seed also. And here is a, a conversation that many have had, uh, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a burning conversation because you've heard Folks who see it and understand it, uh, whether you've read the parable or not, there is a genuine understanding and a discerning that there are those among us that have no desire really to know the truth or to live the truth, but they're not leaving. They, have, they don't want to leave. They're going to stay, and that's because they have been planted and the question was asked in this parable, and many are asking even today, why don't you just pluck them up? Why don't you just tear them up? Uh, but there are leaders who see it and they understand the context uh, and the meaning of 
leave them alone. And Jesus said, no, don't bother them because if you yank up the tares, you'll damage the wheat. And we're going to get into it tonight uh, because this has been a burning discussion because some, you may interpret it as well, are you telling me to condone? Uh, no, I'm not telling you to condone, uh, but the Bible is telling us to be careful to have an understanding of what's going on. So uh, in this parable, let's get into it. <clears throat> in this parable, there are two sowers. Yeah, two kinds of seed, two sowers, two kinds of seed. Uh, and there are two harvests, two sowers, two kinds of seed, and two harvests. One is good and one is bad. Two kinds of seed. One is good, one is bad. Two kinds of harvest. One is good, one is bad. My Lord. The parable of the sower uh, had depicted, remember last week, four kinds of soil. Uh, I believe it was the hard soil, the stony soil, the thorny soil, and the good soil. But in this parable, the parable of the wheat and the tares, uh, you have the field which Jesus says represents the world. Uh, remember in verses uh, 24 and 25 of uh, chapter 13 of the gospel, according to St. Matthew, another parable put he forth unto them, saying the kingdom of heaven. Uh, this is what the church is like. He's telling the condition is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So while men slept, the devil came in and planted bad seed. Mm -hmm. So um, let's go to verse 38. Thank you, Lord. Verse 38, uh, and I'm gonna read out of my notes because in verse 38 it says, the field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom but the tares are the children of the wicked one. So in this field, you have the children of the kingdom growing up alongside the children of the wicked. Um, so let's dig deeper, even deeper. Uh, what do the two sowers represent? I'm gonna read out of my notes. My notes said Jesus illustrates two sowers of different character. Right. Remember, I said in the parable of the sower, the sower stands for all teachers of God's truth, including Jesus himself. All those who witness and share the word of God. Uh, but the sower is exclusively Jesus. He is the owner. He is the owner of the field, the son of man. The other sower is called his enemy, Satan, the devil, the wicked one. Right in, in verses 25, 28, and then 38 through 29 of Matthew, the 13th chapter. I won't read them on all, rather, I should say, so we won't be here too long. Uh, but to describe this enemy, Jesus in the Greek, when Jesus speaks of this enemy in this context, he uses the word diabolos. Diabolos. Uh, diabolos means the accuser the deceiver, the liar, the betrayer, one who is against all that is true and righteous. Coming up right in the kingdom, Jesus plants good seed. 
The enemy comes behind him and starts planting bad seed. And when Jesus teaches this lesson, he says there's a diabolos among us who's going around planting bad seed. And he's an accuser. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a betrayer. And he's coming against everything that is true and righteous. Hallelujah. There's a, there's a fight. There's a struggle. Uh, and this tear, these tears are coming up with the wheat. So uh, this parable tells us something now about the visible professing church of God that is in the world today. Yeah. Tells us something very powerful. Powerful, I'm sorry, about this visible professing church, professing salvation and preaching the truth that's in the world. Um, it's, it is concerning the church, which is his body. Remember, let's go on to the lesson, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 through 23, and have put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. So when we talk about the church tonight, I'm not talking about Greater Refuge Temple. I'm not talking about the name of your church or the building or the name of your pastor. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Ephesians, again, I'm read verse this is 22 and 23, chapter 1. Paul writes it and helps us out tonight and have put all things under his feet, talking about Jesus, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So Jesus is the head of the church. I don't care who your pastor is, who the bishop is, the name of your organization, the body of Christ. I think there would be less division among us if we remembered that it's a body. It's a body, and when Jesus comes, he's not coming back for cool JC, PAW, PCAF. He's not coming back for AFFI. He's not coming back for Kojic. He's not coming back for all, you know, it's not what he's coming. He's coming back for his children, a body of Christ. And I think we wouldn't fight so much. We, we wouldn't be bickering so much. We wouldn't be struggling against one another if we could realize that we are, we are one body and this is what paul says you know sometimes i'm so tired of 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 us bragging about what organization we're from uh, and we should be proud uh, but we really need to put more emphasis on the fact that i'm part of the body of christ uh, so here paul says and i'll read it again to the ephesian congregation jesus has put all things under his feet and <clears throat> gave him to be the head over all things to the church Church, verse 23, church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So uh, church, a living organism, a living organism, not an organization, but the church is a living organism of born again people. The church is a living organism of born, filled with born again People. First Peter 1 and 23, being born again, of, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. I'm going to read another scripture. First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 19. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by 
tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I believe that's Peter's way of saying your salvation is not based upon a man. Don't get so wrapped up in the man. Your salvation is not based upon the organization that you're a part of, but it's all a product of the organism, the work of the organism. Christ died for your sins and put you into the body. And so uh, he says that we should look at the church as being the body of Christ, as the body of Christ, as the body of Christ. I, I, I really have an issue with people that can talk more about the organization than they can about the organism. So, um, so the church is much more than a visible organization. It's an organism, right? Uh, and, it and it consists of all who profess and possess Christ in their life, right? Uh, and I know uh, there are so many different organizations and people put into different groups. I'm from here, I'm from there, but when we get to heaven, uh, there's not going to be uh, sectioned off, a cool JC section, you live over here, and a, a Kojic session, you live over there. Uh, no, we're all together. We're the body of Christ, and when Jesus comes, when the trump of God sounds, there's not going to be different signals for different organizations. Only one trumpet is going to sound. Glory. My God. And all of us that died in Christ are going to be caught up going to be snatched up. We're going to rise first. And those of us in the body of Christ that remain shall be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. I feel like I feel like I've been church already. Yes, I do. Um, so with all of this in mind, let us begin noticing the details of the parable that Jesus is giving us. Uh, let's look at verses uh, 24 through 30. Matthew 13, 24 through 30. Uh, and we're noticing the details now of the parable. We read it to you, um, and let's talk about the Lord's explanation again. And uh, 24 through 30, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven, remember, is like unto a man that sows good seed in his field. Uh -huh. But while the man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and when and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, <clears throat> then appeared the tares also. And the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did these tares or weeds come from? And he said unto them, An enemy, an enemy has done this. An enemy has done this. Anybody who's planting opposite of the truth, anyone who is planting false doctrine, anyone who is planting words that are totally against the truth of God is an enemy. Mm -hmm. um, so the servant says, so why don't, are we supposed to go and tear up the weeds? He says, no, because if you do that, you'll root up the wheat along with them. Listen to verse 30. He says, let them both grow together. This is Jesus talking. Let them both grow together. And this is where we struggle in our conversations and, and talks about uh, when we talk about this parable, let them grow together. You mean to tell me there's weeds and wheat growing together? Jesus said, let them both grow together. How long? He says, until 
harvest. This is going to happen. Uh, you're going to have fake folk, fake saints, fake preachers. You're going to have lying saints. You're going to have people teaching false doctrine until Jesus comes. You may not like it, but Jesus, Jesus said, let them both grow together. Mm -hmm. Until harvest and in the time of the harvest. And we told you the time of the harvest is at the end of the age. <laughs> at the end of the age. I, I dare say when the rapture comes, I'm going to separate. We're going to separate the wheat from the tares. Mm -hmm. I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles. So evidently Jesus knows who the wheat is and who the tares are. Hmm. I know who the wheat, I know the wheat and I know the tares. I know every weed that's in the field. Hallelujah. I know every false prophet. I know every lying preacher. I know every false doctrine that's out there and who's responsible for confusing and beguiling my children. I know them by name. I know where it started. I know how they started when they started thinking that way. I know, and in the end, I'm going to separate what's true from what's a lie. Let them grow together, Jesus said. Let them, I'm going to read it again. You don't believe me? Come on, follow me. Matthew 13 and 30, let both grow together until harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. They're going to hell, burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Bring the wheat, bring my children into the barn. Wow. We're going to dig into this. Right. So let's talk about it because um, and, and let me go down to verse 37, because he answered and said to them, he that soweth the good seed. I want to read it again for clarity. The person he that sows the good seed is the son of man. Jesus is the sower of the good seed. His word is going forth. I'm planting it. Um, and the field represents the world. The field represents the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. So I have the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked. So uh, the field is the world, and uh, I have my children and the wicked ones growing up at the same time. Uh, but there's something in here when we're going to come to it, and the enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. Yes, it's all there, 37 verses 37 through 43. So the first thing, because with all, in, all of this in mind, let's, let's figure some things out even more. Um, because number one, we said that the sower is the son of man. He says it in verse 24, uh, and again in verse 37, he answered and said unto him, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. He is the sower. Jesus is the sower. Mm -hmm. um, or the farmer, as in the last parable we dealt with, um, who was mentioned in our first installment in this series, um, those who are planting seed just like Jesus, preachers and teachers, and those who are witnessing and telling others of the word of God. The field, again, is the world. Uh, the sphere... Uh, in which the Son of Man is sowing today is the whole world. 
because in the Bible days, it was a certain section of the world. Uh, but today, the word of God is going forth all over this world. Um, Christendom uh, is worldwide now, whether people receive it or not, is out there. So the field is the world, right? Uh, remember this scripture, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, should not perish, but have everlasting life. The seeds are the sons of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. The seeds are the sons of the kingdom. Verse 24 again. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Verse 38. The field is the world. The good seed. The good seed are the children. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. So we are like seed in the world. We are like seed in the world. We are like seed in the world. And I'm coming somewhere. We are like seed in the world. But the tears are the tears rather are the children of the wicked one. Mm -hmm. The parable of the sower, the seed was the word. But here the seed consists of the redeemed. So he plants the word in us and he plants us in the world. We are in the world, but not of the world. Those who have been born again are planted by Jesus Christ. We're planted in the world. We're planted in the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world, right? Uh, and we're here, and we're supposed to contain true life. I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So we contain true life, right? We are wheat living as fruitful seed, we are wheat growing in the world. But the evil one has come also, and he has planted bad seed. So the weeds, the tares, or weeds, are the sons of the evil one. Verses 25, verses 25, I'm just laying a foundation. I'm going to dig a little deeper. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares. He sowed, uh, he sowed, I'm sorry, uh, weeds, mm -hmm. weeds among the wheat, and went his way. Verse 38 again, the field is the word, world, the good seed are the children in the kingdom, but the tares or the weeds are the children of the wicked one. So, and we understand again, just laying a foundation before we dig deeper, the enemy is the devil. Verses 25, I won't read them, but in Matthew 13, verses 25, verses 26, verses 27, and verse 39, the enemy that sowed them, I'll read that verse, is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. The harvest is the end of the world. The harvest is the end of the age. So Jesus in this parable is saying uh, when harvest comes, when the end of the world comes, how solemn are these words? Jesus is really, he is really driving a message home. And he says, this is, the kingdom is like this. The kingdom is like this. He said, the church is like this. I've got, I've got people planted all through this world. 
Uh, they have seed planted in them, the word, and I've planted them in the world. Uh, but the enemy has also planted his seed and the wheat and the tare is growing up together, uh, growing up together. The harvesters, though, the harvesters are the angels. Uh-huh. Verses 30, verses 30 and 40 through 42. I'll read it again. We're laying a foundation. Let, let both grow together until harvest. Let both grow together until the end of the world. And in the time of harvest, at the end, I'm going to tell the reapers who represent the angels. I'm going to tell the reapers. I'm going to tell the reapers to gather ye together first the tares, get all the weeds together, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. <laughs> I'm going to go, let me back up, I'm going ahead of myself. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out his kingdom, out of his kingdom all things that offend all things that are against me, all things that have spoken against my word, all things that offend and them which do iniquity and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So I don't want to hold you up too long, uh, but I'm enjoying this. But what are then, Bishop Fields, you're saying, okay, we went through this, you've read it several times, you've explained it, you've laid out the foundation. Jesus, not only when is he dealing with principles of the kingdom, when he uses parables, and we understand that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, but he's also going beyond principle and he's dealing with the condition, the condition of the church. So now that we've laid the foundation and we understand the parts of the components of this lesson, what's the lesson? <clears throat> what are we supposed to learn from the parable that Jesus is teaching? We even understand the difference between last week's lesson, last week's parable, um, the farmer, the seed, and the soil. Uh, and we, we understand the comparison, but now... Here we are talking about the wheat and the tares growing together. And Jesus says, let them grow together. But at the end of the world, I'm going to separate it. Uh, so he's letting them know, I know the weeds and I know the wheat. But what are the lessons? What are we supposed to learn? What are we going to take away from this parable? Well, the first, the first thing we take away um, is in the professing church, in the church, in the body of Christ, there's always going to be wheat and tares. In the body of Christ, you're always going to have wheat and weeds. Can't get away from it. And failure to recognize this has often led people to walk away from the church uh, and to be so discouraged that you don't want to have nothing to do with church. But the reality of this is until Jesus comes, you will always have wheat and weeds growing together. That's the first thing we learn. And the quicker you realize it, the better off you'll be. Jesus said it. 
Jesus said in his word, I read it in verse 30, Matthew 13 and 30, let them grow together. So um, you're always going to have in the midst of the church environment, in the midst of the body of Christ, wheat growing with weeds. You're always going to have real growing with fake. <laughs> yeah. And the quicker you realize it, the better off you'll be um, because... Listen, many become discouraged and lose heart because they have not recognized that the wheat and the weeds grow together. People have stumbled. People in their frustration have walked away from the faith because of this. Uh, because, and I've heard people, people have come to me because they see inconsistencies uh, in the lives of those who profess to be saved. My Lord. And listen, in every church, there are people of God, there are children of God, and children of the enemy in every church. I'm going to say it again. I don't care what organization you're in, because we're all in an organism, no matter where you go. So if you get mad and leave one church and go to another, uh, there's always going to be real and fake, no matter where you go, no matter where you go. No matter where you go in every church, there are children of God and children of the enemy. John chapter 1, not my opinion, let's go into the word of God. Let's go into the word of God. John chapter 1, 12 and 14, because I don't want you to say, ah, he's just talking to be talking. Nope. Listen. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Children of God and also children of the enemy. John chapter 8, verses 38 through 45. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. Jesus is talking now. He says, what I do, I do because of my father. But I see there are those of you here, talking to Pharisees, Pharisees and Sadducees. They were already in the church, but he says, y'all ain't real. He says, but I see that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, this is Jesus going back and forth with them. Mm -hmm. Jesus said to them, if ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. <laughs> but now ye seek to kill me. Now you seek to kill me, a man that have told you the truth which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Listen to what Jesus said to them. Jesus said unto them, if God was your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. 
Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Glory. Even because ye cannot hear my word, ye are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he's a liar and the father of it. This is Jesus talking back to them. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not, my Lord. So the second thing we learn also First thing we learn from this in, in the professing church, there's always going to be wheat and weeds, wheat and tares. The second thing we learn from this parable is the devil's objective is to mix evil with good. The devil's objective is to mix evil with good and to hinder the growth of the kingdom. Listen, this is so messy now, what the enemy is doing, so much so until some people who are in the kingdom are confused as to what the kingdom stands for, for the morals of the kingdom, the standard of the kingdom, the doctrine of the kingdom. There's so much confusion. Uh, and the enemy's objective is to mix evil with good. Can darkness and light walk together? No. But he's trying to mix it. If I, if I mix it, you'll start accepting things that God will not accept. If I mix it, you'll start loving things that God does not love. And he's doing it to hinder the growth of the kingdom. And it all started in the Garden of Eden. Remember Genesis 3.15? Uh, and, and when the Lord stopped it, he shut it down. This is what the Lord said. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, the serpent and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Since then, ever since then, Satan and Jesus, Satan and Christ have been in a deadly conflict. Good and evil has been in a deadly conflict. Uh, and when you follow the line uh, in the word, uh, the devil tried to interrupt the line through which Christ would be born. <laughs> because he didn't want salvation to come. He didn't want us to be saved. He didn't want the truth to come to light. No. Uh, and when he was born, he even tried to murder Jesus, tried to kill him, to snuff him out. Matthew 2 and 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coast thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So uh, even he tried to kill Jesus when he was born. Uh, but in the wilderness, he tried to overcome him. In the wilderness, in the wilderness, he tried to overcome him. Yes, hallelujah, took him out after he had fasted. Uh, and said, if you be the son of, of man, I'll give you all of these kingdoms if you bow down to me. Uh, you know the story. And through his disciples, after Jesus would start developing this new church, hallelujah, the true church, through his disciples, he would try to defile him from the divine purpose. 
tried to stop him from fulfilling his purpose in coming. Uh, because you do know, uh, and this is Christmas time, maybe we could plug this in. He didn't come uh, really just to show off splendor uh, and show off gold and silver and riches, but he came to die. He did not come uh, in a braggadocious manner. He did not come, uh, and he was the king of kings, lord of lords. Uh, he came in humility. Yes, God manifested in the flesh was born in a stable, right? And now he is, here he is. Uh, the enemy tried to stop uh, the Lord's plan. Uh, he tried to stop him when he was born. Uh, he tried to stop him uh, when he pulls him into the wilderness uh, and through his disciples now. Uh, his very followers, he's trying to deflect him from his divine purpose and defile everything. Matthew 16, 21 and 20 through 23, from that time forth, Jesus began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes. And Jesus is telling them, now I came to die. I'm going to be killed, and, and, but I'm going to get up on the third day. Yes, I'm going to get up. No man takes my life. I'm going to lay it down and then I'll pick it up again. But Peter rebukes him. Verse 22, Matthew 16 and 22. Peter takes him and begins to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. You ain't going to die. No. Uh, but he turned and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. Anything that speaks against the purpose and the power and the preeminence, hallelujah, and the reasoning of God's word is an enemy. So he rebukes Peter and said, I rebuke you, Satan, get thee behind me. You are an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Finally, we would see him crucified. And the enemy thought he won, but he did not win. But praise God, just like he said he would, he got up on the third day. Now you say, Bishop Fields, this is, this is Christmas. This is not Easter. Listen, let me tell you something. You can't talk about Christmas without going from the manger to the cross. Not if you know why he came. Not if you know that Jesus was born so he can die for my sins. That's right. And you've heard me say it. I've even, when I was teaching Sunday school last week, I said, I think we have the wrong tree in our houses during Christmas time. We got the wrong tree. We got, the saints got evergreen trees in the house. Mm-hmm. You need to put a cross up in your house. Hallelujah. Because Jesus didn't die on an evergreen tree. He died on an old rugged cross. Thanks be to God, he died and he rose again. Ever since then, ever since then, Satan's aim has been to overthrow the church, to dismantle the church, to come against the people of God. Now, I'm not talking about this building. I'm sitting in a beautiful building, but this is where we come to worship. We are the church. The church is an organism of spirit-filled believers and ever since Jesus died and rose again and filled souls with the Holy Ghost his desire has been to destroy the works of God so he's going around planting seed 
Hallelujah. Satan has been sowing weeds. Satan has been sowing weeds. Satan has been sowing weeds. And this is why there's so much division. And I understand this division. There is a type of division that men create. But here is the kind of division that Satan creates. He goes around and he plants seeds and weeds grow. And this is why we have so much division, so many false doctrines, false teachings and heresies that exist in the church. This is why. Because while men are sleeping, right? Satan is going around planting weeds, planting his seed. And this is why we have all of this division, all of the false teachings and heresies and contradictions to the gospel of Jesus Christ that exist in the church. I'm going to let that marinate for a few moments. Jesus said it in the parable when they asked Jesus, well, who planted these seeds? Who planted these weeds? Jesus' answer was, an enemy hath done this. Remember, I read it. And then they said, well, if the enemy planted these weeds, why shouldn't we just go and pull up the weeds? And Jesus said, nope, leave them alone. Let them grow together because if you go and pull up the weeds, you'll mess up some of the wheat. And here's the reason why. This is the third thing we learned from the lesson. It's because, and, and Satan is shrewd. He's not going to plant something that looks different from us. He's going to plant something that looks just like we look, similar to us. It sounds real. It sounds right. It looks right, but it's not right. The weeds look like the wheat. The weeds look like the wheat. Mm -hmm. This is why he says don't try to separate it because you don't know. You can't really tell the wheat from the tear but I know I know I know those who are mine having this seal the Lord knows those who are his he said don't try to separate them don't try to separate them in case you uproot or spoil some of the wheat uh, there's there is a weed called the darnell weed uh, d-a-r-n-e-l it's called the darnell weed and it grows up with the wheat. Uh, any farmer can tell you that plants wheat. There is a weed that grows among the wheat and it's called the Darnell weed. And when it grows up, when it comes up, the weed, the Darnell weed looks exactly like the wheat. And the difference can't be seen until blossom comes. <laughs> You can't tell the difference until blossom comes. It's impossible to separate the wheat from the weed until blossom comes, until harvest comes. And that's what Jesus, Jesus is talking like a farmer. He's saying, leave it alone. Only the farmer, only God knows the wheat and the tare. He knows the difference. But if you look at it, you can't tell. The only time you can tell is at harvest time, the way it blossoms, the way the weed blossoms and the way the wheat blossoms are different. So it's impossible now 
to separate it, so leave it alone. And this is why Jesus said, leave it alone and let the wheat and the tares grow together. Because if you just look at it now, you'll mess up my wheat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let it grow together uh, and we'll find out at harvest time. My God. The fourth thing we learn, um, we're getting ready to wind down. The fourth thing we learn is the weeds actually spoil the wheat. The weeds actually spoil the wheat when the blossom appears. I talked about that, right? Uh, you won't be able to tell the difference between the Darnell weed and the wheat until blossom comes. But when the blossom comes or appears on the Darnell, it contains a poison. This is some deep stuff. My God. My God. When the wheat fully matures and the weed fully matures, the weed, it contains a poison that's blown over the wheat. A poison that when the wind blows, the poison spreads out over the wheat and threatens to destroy the fruit of the wheat, the integrity of the wheat, the wheat or the strength of the wheat. This tells us uh, that mere professors in the church, those who just do a whole lot of talk, those with no spiritual life, um, adversely influence Christians. The believers. Listen, you get a bunch of people in a particular church or anybody's church, right? They, they have no spiritual life. They have no prayer life. Um, and, and when they talk about the word, they're messing the word up or they believe things that are totally against the word of God and they spread it among uh, the people of God. They go out there, you, you turn on the TV and you listen to a whole lot of stuff that's not the gospel. It's false, it's mess, but it's influencing a lot of believers, a lot of people. How important then is it uh, that we don't become poisoned? Put that in the comment section. Don't let anyone poison you. Poison you. No, not if you want to be weed. I don't, I don't want to be a weed. I don't want to be associated with a weed don't let anyone poison you. Put it, put it in the comment hashtag. Don't let anyone poison you. And if you don't want to make it personal, say don't let anything poison you. But here, the weed and the tares grow together. And I express and I explain the kind, the name of the weed that normally grows up with the wheat. It's called the Darnell weed. And it looks exactly like the wheat. That's why Jesus said, don't pull it up because you'll mess up my wheat. But we know when we're talking agriculturally that when that weed fully matures at blossom time, at harvest time, the end of the world, at the end, I know. But what happens is that that weed it messes with the wheat and spreads all of this venom, spreads all of this poison. I want to I want to take you to the word of God. I want to take you to the book of Romans, chapter 16, verse 17. Romans. Chapter 16, and I'll read uh, 17 and 18, it says, but I beseech you, brethren, mark them. That cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. Mark them. Notice them. Pay attention to those 
and they're teaching and they're causing division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. God, that's Paul. Paul is warning the church. You got people that have been planted here. We're all in here. We're all living in this world together. But you got people who have been planted and their job is to poison, to venomize. Listen, I'm going to read it in the Common English Bible, Romans 16, 17, and 18. Let's make it even clearer. Common English Bible, Romans 16, 17, and 18. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to watch out for people who create divisions and problems against the teaching that you've learned. Be watchful. Watch out for them. Keep away from them. Why? Now, is, is he teaching division? No, he's telling us to be careful. You don't want to be poisoned. So why would you follow them? Why would you try to be like them? Why would you take unto yourself anything that is contrary to what has been planted in you? It'll poison you. It'll mess you up. So he's saying keep away from them. People like that aren't serving the Lord. They are serving their own feelings. They deceive the hearts of innocent people with smooth talk and flattery. So he's saying don't follow anything that is teaching and preaching or trying to divide or, and using that which is opposite what you've learned and know to be the truth. Because the enemy's, the enemy's design, his desire is to pull us away, to render you worthless, unable to perform, unable to do anything that God wants you to do because you have succumbed to the poison, right? Uh, in those in the last days, there'll be people who will give in to doctrines of devils, right, and seducing spirits. And here Jesus himself is saying that uh, I'm planting good seed and Satan is planting his seed all around and they're growing up together and they're both in the church. Uh, but only one of them is real and the other one's purpose is to poison, to destroy, to divide. And here Paul is telling the Roman congregation, I'm urging you, I'm begging you, be careful and watch out for people who create divisions and problems. No, join up and hook up with people that are strong in the Lord. He's not teaching division. He's teaching them to preserve and protect their salvation. He's not telling them don't show love, don't say praise the Lord. He's not telling them don't speak the truth. Uh, but he's telling them to mark them, watch out for them, and stay away from them. Don't let them destroy what God has put into you. Don't let them poison your joy. Don't let them kill your joy. And joy, biblically, is much more than clapping and singing and dancing. Joy is the fulfillment of strength in your life. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah. And the enemy is after your joy. He's after your praise. He's after your anointing. Right. And he's using doctrines of devils. He's, he's using all of this stuff. Uh, and he's saying, stay away from it. 
People like that are not serving the Lord and they're serving their own feelings. They deceive the hearts of innocent people. In the book of Jude, he says these people are clouds without water. They're sensual. They're not spiritual. But they have all, uh, they are able to influence others and poison. And Paul is saying, and he's telling them, because I don't want you to be poisoned. I I don't want you to be poisoned. Because separation is coming. Separation is coming. At the end, there's going to be a separation. Yes, and the only person that knows who goes where is God. So that's that's another thing that we've learned. Mm-hmm. Yes, that the weeds actually spoil the wheat. The next thing that we learn, uh, while the sons of the kingdom are asleep, while the sons of the kingdom are asleep, uh, the devil's work prospers. How sleepy. Here we are. I'm going to mess with you right here. How sleepy God's people have been. Uh, and, and, and in my notes, for 2,000 years, a whole lot of the saints have been sleeping. And when I, when I say sleeping, I don't mean dying. I mean just looking the other way. Uh, in, in every dispensation, in every generation, there have been people who just look the other way. Uh, they're sleeping. They're not defending. They're not guarding their, their hearts. Uh, and this is another reason why there's so much division and so many different damnable doctrines. Uh, the forces of evil uh, in, in, in different seasons have gained ground. Uh, the church, instead of fighting against, instead of pulling away from the things of the world, uh, have brought in these doctrines and are mixing it up. Uh, the sleep of the church has been the devil's opportunity to come in and mess up. We got to wake up, people of God. We have to wake up. We got to wake up. Stop accepting everything that comes our way. Stop eating everything that comes our way. Don't say amen to everything. You got to know God for yourself. You got to know his word. You got to know the truth for yourself. Matthew 26 and 40. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and says to Peter, what? Could ye not watch with me for one hour? Yeah, the church is not praying like it should be praying. We're not praying like we should be praying. As much as you say we pray, we should pray even more. Luke 22, 45 and 46. And when he rose up from prayer, he was come to his disciples. He found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said unto them, why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation we got to pray even more we got to pray even more we we don't have we don't mind having concerts and uh, all in seminars and and all of these things we need to come together as a body and pray more pray more i think if we prayed more uh in, instead of comparing who preaches the best and what choir sings the best let's just come together wouldn't it be nice uh, in, in, in these conventions, instead of just coming together and bringing our reports, just, just come together and pray. Tear down the walls that the enemy is, is building up. Tear down strongholds. Yeah, Romans 13 and 11. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. 
Paul is talking to the church again. Wake up. For now is your salvation nearer than when we believe. Paul is saying Jesus is getting ready to come and there's a whole lot of saints falling asleep. And because of your sleepy spirit, the enemy is coming in and planting all kinds of mess all around you. And all of this stuff is growing up. And you can't tell the difference because the weed looks just like the wheat. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 6. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Listen to what Paul says to the Thessalonican church. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day, let the born again believers be sober, put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. I, I don't want to hold you too much longer, but I feel the Holy Ghost bubbling up in me. The sixth thing that we've learned also is the solemn fact of judgment and of future retribution is certain. Judgment is certain. Judgment is coming and retribution. Yeah, where we have to give an account for what we have done in this body, yes. And when God separates the wheat from the tares, the saint from the sinner, the fake from the real, judgment is coming. And when judgment comes, the Bible says it first will come to the house of God. And so the sixth thing I've learned in this lesson, in this parable, is that judgment and future retribution is certain. Yes. Matthew 13 and 30. We read it. Let both grow together until harvest. Let them grow just as Jesus talking. Let them grow together until the end. And in the time of the end, when the end comes, when harvest comes, I will say to the reapers and the reapers are the angels. And in this in this context of the lesson, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares, first the weeds, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Verse 42 of Matthew 13. And shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So the end is coming and judgment is coming and retribution is coming. I'm going to separate them. Yes, the wheat I'm going to gather into my barn. They shall be mine. But the tares, the weeds, are going to be burned in the furnace. They will be in hell. My God. Hallelujah. So judgment is coming. Now, this is not my opinion. I'm not talking about my feelings. I'm in the word of God. I will do my best never to teach or to preach outside of God's word. Now, let's compare it. Let's compare what I just read out of Matthew chapter 13. I read verses 30 and verse 42. I want to take you to Revelation now. In the book of Revelation, the apocalyptic book. Yes, Revelation 14, 18 through 20. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle 
into the earth and gather the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. My Lord, God is going to deal with all that is not right. And the winepress was trodden without the city and blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. I'm not through, still in Revelation chapter 20 and I wish I had more time to dig into Revelation. I wish I had more time because a whole lot of stuff is going to happen in the end. That's why you have to be right now. That's why you have to strive to be holy now. Yes. So I'm in chapter 20 of Revelation verses 11 through 15. And I saw a great white throne in him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened hallelujah and the books were opened which is of the book of life yes now you know we brag about what church we belong to my name is on the roll i'm on the trustee board yes i'm i'm a giver i'm this i'm that and and we brag about our names being on some list of somebody's church but uh if your name is not written in the book of life I'm going to leave that right there. Mm -hmm. The book was open. Yes. And I saw the dead, small and great. I'm in verse 12 of chapter 20 of Revelation. Stand before God and the books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them and they were judged every man according to their works and the death and sorry and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire this is the second death and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire my lord now listen I'm, i want to tell you this i don't have i don't have the time to really break it down the way i want to but if you make the rapture you won't have to worry about all of this stuff if you make the rapture you won't have to worry listen if you make the rapture not only will you be taken away to be with him you'll come back with him that second advent when he comes down back here and he establishes that 1,000 year millennial period. You'll be with him for that 1,000 year period, right? And after the battle of Armageddon, and after all of that, there'll, there'll be another judgment. That great white throne judgment, there'll be another judgment that the, I'm sorry, the judgment of the, the wicked dead. There'll be another judgment if their names are not written in the book of life. If their, their names are not there, uh, they'll be cast into the lake of fire. And I wish I had time to break it up because some of you may be confused. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to confuse you. But let's go to the seventh thing that we learn from this parable. The Lord Jesus will be victorious and will gather all of his own, all of his children together to be with him forever that is 
the whole thrust of the lesson. Let them grow together, but I'm going to pull the wheat and they'll be in the barn. But the weeds, the tares will be thrown into hell. So I need to let you know that the time of separation is coming. The time of separation is coming. Put that in the comment section. The time of separation is coming. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, is, it should be fearful for those who are just professing. They don't, have, they don't really have Christ. They, have, they don't really love the Lord. No, they're, they're just going through the motions. They are hobbyists. Coming to church is their hobby. Singing in the choir is their hobby, but they're not living for the Lord. They don't really embrace this thing the way that they should. Uh, and, and some of them, the, and Jesus said, they have been planted there. They're planted, and, and they have been busy trying to divide teaching false doctrine, spreading falsehood about my goodness and trying to split up. He said, let them grow. Right now they look, they look right, they sound right, they sing right, they testify, they speak in tongues, but they're not weak, they're tares. He said, in the end, and I've come to tell you tonight that the time of separation will come. And for those who have just been professing, it's gonna be a fearful day. Mm -hmm. Beyond words. Hallelujah. But for those who belong to the Lord, what a joy it's going to be. I'm going to read it again. Matthew 13 and 30. Let them both grow together until harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and buy them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Verse 43. I'm going to read it again. Chapter 13 of Matthew, verse 43. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears, let him hear. Pay attention. He that has an ear, let him hear. I'm going to read Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 27. And here's the Lord talking about his church. I'll start at verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That's what the Lord wants us to be. He wants to be able to present us unto himself. He wants to gather up his wheat. That's what Jesus was talking about. Hallelujah. Both are growing up in the kingdom. Both have been planted in the world. Both are living in my house. Hallelujah. I've got good children and I've got, I've got some who are just in here, but they're not mine. Oh, my God. Let them grow together. But there is a day of separation coming. A day of separation coming. I'm going to stop here. Uh, and I hope that you have gotten something out of this particular parable. Uh, and we'll be back, of course, uh, on next week with the third installation on this series. What's going on in the kingdom 
of God. I want to pray a special prayer uh, on tonight. And I want to thank you for your time. But I want to pray. This is this is a time of year, of course, where there are there are many who are discouraged and some are wrestling uh, with depression uh, because of loved ones that they have lost. And it's magnified even now because of this coronavirus that is spreading. Uh, and many have been uh, affected. We all have been affected by it. Uh, and it has magnified uh, some pain that you have already been going through. But I want you to know that uh, because you're God's child, he understands, he knows, and he's able to help us during any season that we're in. This will be the first Christmas that I've experienced without my father. Uh, and it's something that I'm battling with, but I'm believing God to help and to strengthen and to comfort me and my family uh, during this time. He's able. Yes, he is able. He's that kind of God. And so I'm touching and agreeing with you that the Lord would be your strength and your comfort, your joy, and that you'll remember the real reason for this season uh, is why he came. He came to save. He came to save and to deliver and to prepare him a people who would be ready to come with him when he comes for us. And he's coming, yes. And there's going to be a day of separation. Hallelujah. And I'm so glad. Listen, I don't want to be in the furnace. I want to be in the barn with the rest of the wheat. Let's pray. Reach out. Yes, reach out to the screen. If uh, you're using your cell phone, squeeze that smartphone. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone that's connected. And in particularly for those who are discouraged or uh, dealing with depression during this season. Hallelujah. I pray that you would be their comfort, their strength, their joy. All that they're going through, I pray that you would make yourself manifest them. Let them know that you're with them. Hallelujah. Let them feel your hand, your comfort, we ask. In the name of Jesus, bless every household that's connected with us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you if you want to plant a seed in this ministry. Uh, our technician will put that on the screen for you. Yes, and you may do so. Those of you who are go or members, I'm sorry, of Refuge Temple Annex, want you to use Givelify. And you may plant that seed and want to pay your tithes or give us a donation. Anyone who is a visitor and you're with us for the first time and you want to plant seed in this ministry, uh, please follow the instruction that's on the screen. The Lord loves you and I love you too. And if you have a special request, you may send it to me at uh, admin at grtdc.org. I had a senior moment. Admin at grtdc.org and someone from our staff will get to you. If you have a question that you want to ask, uh, send that question admin at grtdc.org. The Lord bless you tonight. I've held you long enough and uh, want you to enjoy your Christmas holiday. Be safe, won't you? Yes, and follow all of the rules and the, those regulations given to us by the CDC. We want to keep you safe and sound. Uh, but until next week, there are three things that I'd like you to do. Be careful, be prayerful, 
and be holy. Shalom, shalom.